Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in this room here right now and that, Lord, because you are here, your presence being felt, this is holy ground. We pray tonight for a powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let us understand the Word of God. And may we apply it to our hearts, our minds, and our very inner being. We claim this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen and amen. You may be seated around the church. Hallelujah. In preparing for this message, I began by doing a search on how many times the word Lord is used in the New Testament. To my shock, it was used over 500 times. The Bible app that I use to do the search, it only goes to 500. Meaning the word Lord is used more than 500 times from Matthew 1 to Revelation 22, 21. The concept of Jesus being our Lord is extremely important for something to be mentioned over 500 times. It tells me this is important. And we use the line a lot. In the prayer we just prayed, I did use the word Lord because that is what Jesus is. But what is the nature of the relationship between us, the believer, and between our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We know from Titus chapter 1, verse 4, that the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus, my own son, after the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is making it clear who his Lord is. Jesus Christ the Son of the living God. Now, when we look at the word Lord, we see how Paul described himself in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God. Servant. 
The word servant is key and applies to the word Lord. A servant is one. I know the first dictionary I looked at wimped out. A servant, they said, was one who served. Like I needed a dictionary to find that one out. But I looked at the Oxford Dictionary. And it is more about the relationship of the servant giving something to his Lord. Giving something to the one that he bowed his knee to. And remember the Apostle Paul. He did said what? I bow my knee. Meaning what? Let's go there for a second. We're off the notes here. But it is important. The book of Ephesians. I better go the right way. Ephesians chapter 1. Actually, chapter 3. And let's start with verse 14. For this cause... I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We now view bowing the knee as just an act of reverence. Throughout history, bowing the knee has much more relevance than just something we do when we pray. When one bows their knee, they are basically submitting themselves to someone else. In the Middle Ages, when a knight or a vassal comes to their Lord, what is the first thing they do? They submit themselves to their Lord by bowing to him. The difference between the Lord and the servant is being established. If you look at some of the countries that still have an active monarchy, what happens when the king or queen walks in? A year ago, when Queen Elizabeth died. I remember a scene of the Prime Minister and she did the curtsy, the female bow. It was a sign of what? Submission, basically. This is the Lord. I am the servant. Now, the concept of a servant is important here. When we bow to Jesus, we are what? Saying we are his servant. Are we together on this? Now, I know that a lot of the newer translations, they are going away from the word servant. And they're using the word slave. 
But before we look at this in the Bible, we need to answer this question. Why? In 1611, when the translators, plural, more than one, with more than one group of overlords watching over them, why did they choose the word servant over the word slave? It was a deliberate decision on their part. I think we know the answer here. Follow with me to the book of Galatians for a moment. The book of Galatians chapter 3. Are we still here? I guess we all walked out. Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what do we see here? As believers in Jesus, we are no longer who we were ethnically before we believed in Jesus. Here the ethnicity was Jew and Greek. We, as Americans, or wherever this is being watched, we are first and foremost Christians. This should be our identification. When someone asks who we are, we are Christians. Are we together on this? The next part. Bond nor free. Free meaning a free man or having liberty. Bond meaning slave. Now when we look at the totality of the King James Version of the Bible, the word servant is really not used in the connection of being a slave. The word bond, however, is used as a slave. What we see here, bond nor free. Freed meaning what? Those who have freedom and liberty. Bond meaning those who are in slavery. Notice that the word servant did not come up in this verse. Jew, Greek, bond, free, male, female. Let's build on this a little bit. A few pages over. Book of Colossians. We're going to see basically the same language. The book of Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 11. What does it say? 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, Scythian, barbarian, bond, nor free. What word did Paul use for slave? He used basically the word bond. Now let's look at this a little bit more in the flow of the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 1. We need to establish this if we're going to know who we are in Christ. Exodus chapter 1. In Exodus chapter 1, in the first part, Joseph dies. A few centuries pass by. The Israelites begin to become large in number to the point that the Pharaoh the title for the ruler of Egypt, begins to think that trouble is on the way and that they could rebel against the kingdom. So what do we see? Let's start with verse 9. The Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falls out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters, to afflict them for their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithon and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied them and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor for the sake of time. Let me turn the page here. And let's look, chapter 1, verse 14. She'll him right there. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Hold. Bondage. That is the word that will be used for the word slavery throughout the rest of of the Old Testament. Bondage. You do not see the modern equivalent of the word slavery except for two instances in the entire Bible. The word bondage is used. Now, who's the one that is bringing the bondage on the children of Israel? Is it God or is it the Egyptians? It's the Egyptians. You can look this out in your own time. But if you look up the word bondage through the rest of the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy and pretty much the Old Testament, the word bondage is used in connection of slavery of Israel in Egypt. 
is a word connected with slavery. Bondage, slavery. Bond man, bond woman, bond maid. All connects to slavery. The word servant does not connect to slavery anywhere along the line because the word for slavery is bondage or bond through the Old Testament. Are we together on this? Now let's go ahead a little bit. We know what happens in Exodus 20, correct? The Ten Commandments. We know what happens in Exodus 24. In Exodus 24, the Lord God and Israel, they do not enter into a slave relationship. If that was the case, God would have said, I have brought you out of Egypt from being slaves to being slaves. No. What did God do? He entered into a covenant relationship with Israel. If you look at the Middle Ages for a second, the relationship of the Lord and the vassal or servant, it was the same thing. It was based in a sacred agreement or a covenant. There is a covenant relationship between a Lord and a servant. Go back to the Middle Ages for a second. The term for slave was serf, not vassal. The difference of the word slave and servant was built into the language throughout the early part of the last millennium. So when 1611 rolls around and they begin to translate the Bible into common English, they know from the practical experience of recent history, for them anyhow recent, that there was a difference between a servant or a vassal or a slave or a serf. They were completely different concepts. A servant was not a slave, and a slave was not a servant. A servant was in a covenant relationship with the Lord. Israel, what's happening in Exodus 24? Israel is entering into a covenant relationship with the Lord. How strong is this covenant relationship? Follow with me. The book of Leviticus for a moment. Are we still here? Leviticus 25, verse 42. What does it say? For they are my servants. They meaning God the Father. For Israel are my servants which I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as bondsmen. What is God saying here? I am the Lord. 
Israel are my servants. He doesn't say bondsmen. He does not say bond servant. He does not say bond maid. Servant is different than bond servant or slave. Are we together on this? So what is God saying? Israel, they are not my slaves. Israel, they are my servant. Why? Because God entered into a covenant relationship with Israel, establishing the Lord servant relationship. Are we together on this? Now, what did God tell Israel here? He banned Israelites from selling each other into slavery. A member of the tribe of Judah could not, according to the Old Testament law, buy on a permanent basis and make an indentured servant out of anyone in Israel. No Israelite could become the traditional definition of a slave. Now, if someone is in debt, they could basically put themselves into a covenant relationship to pay off that debt. And in the year of Jubilee, every seven years, that thing becomes lifted and free. That's not a slave relationship. That's a covenant relationship. A slave relationship is owning a person for their entire life, making them do horrible things, demeaning them, the whole definition of the word slavery. Israelites were not to do that to fellow Israelites because the Israelites as the servants of God were not called to be slaves. Are we together on this? 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 22. Solomon, he is considered the wisest of the wise. So we should be able to take his word on this. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 22. But the children of Israel did Solomon make no bondsmen. Solomon did not make any Israelite a slave. Are we together on this? But they were made men of war and his servants and his princes and his captains and rulers of his chariots and his horsemen. From what we see here, Solomon viewed his servants in a place of honor and prestige. They were not slaves. They were not bondsmen. Are we together on this? Psalm 116.16 O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant and the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. So what is David saying? You have freed me from my bonds. Therefore, I am your servant. You freed me 
from being a slave, in this case a sin, to make me free. David did not say, I went from bonds to bonds. I went from bonds to being a servant, a place of honor and respect. So what are we seeing here? In the old, a servant is a position of honor. A slave is a slave. No honor No respect. This is the use of the word in the old. But what about the new? Glad you asked. Let's just stick to the epistles here. Romans 8.15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now what do we see here? Is God making one in bondage. No. What do we see? We have not received the spirit of bondage. We have not received the spirit of becoming a slave. But what have we received? The spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.21 Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So, who are the ones with liberty here? The children of God. Are they in bondage? No. Why? Because God is not the author of bondage. God is not the author of a slave relationship with the Father and the Son. Chap, 1 Corinthians 7.15 That the unbelieving depart, lamb depart. A brother or a sister is not in bondage in such cases. Again, bondage not viewed as a positive. But notice we do not see the word servant there either. 2 Corinthians 11.20 For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Now, in all of these we're going to see the same basic trend. Is God... The one putting us into bondage. No. God is not the one turning us into a slave for God. For the sake of time. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of Bondage. What did Jesus say? He said, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What do we see when Jesus said this? He is saying basically this. Give me the yoke of bondage. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Give me your yoke of bondage. 
I will change you from being a slave to sin. There is slavery to sin. There is slavery to death. There is slavery of everything that we see except a slavery or a bondage to God. Well, what's the second part of that? We saw, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Notice the word take. That is a voluntary action. A slave relationship has no voluntary actions at all. The very definition of slave has no freedom attached to it. Well, we've already seen liberty. There is no liberty with a slave. A servant, however. God is changing from being a slave to sin, a slave to bondage, basically, to being a servant. But we make that choice. Jesus did not say, I'm going to shove this thing down your throat. No, he said, take, as in asking them to do so. He is asking them to take up being a servant of Jesus. Just like we saw in the old, becoming a servant is an honorable thing. We're not talking about a slave relationship here at all. Are we still here? Let's keep moving here. Our relationship with the Father is a lot like the relationship that we saw in the old between Israel and God. It was not based on master-slave. It was based in a covenant relationship with God. Where God is the Lord and Israel the servants of God. As in those who serve and worship the Lord their God. Are we together on this? There is no force to this. Israel willingly went under the law. The problem was that they could not keep the agreement they made with God. They made an agreement. Lord, we will serve you. We will worship you. And what was the end result? They rebelled, began to serve different gods. The protective hand of God went off of Israel at that moment. Why? Because they had violated the covenant. They had violated the servant-lord relationship. Are we still here? Now, we know in Jeremiah 31.31 that the Lord told 
Jeremiah that he is going to establish a new covenant. And who is the one establishing this new covenant? Jesus, the Son of God. Is Jesus establishing a covenant between those that he would call a slave and God his Father? Absolutely not. Because God has not called us to bondage. He has not called us to any type of bondage at all. We have been saved from bondage. We're not going back into it. Are we together on this? But now we enter into fold. First as servants. And then what did we see? Let me go back a second. What did we see? Romans chapter 8 verse 15. But ye have received what? Not the spirit of bondage. But the spirit of what? Adoption. The Holy Spirit inside of us. As believers in Jesus. The spirit of bondage. Notice the wording there, by the way. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We're not talking about a spirit of fear here. We're talking about a spirit of bondage that leads one to be fearful. Are we together on that? Sin is bondage. The law of sin and death is bondage. Let's just apply it to this generation. The law of sin and death is bondage. But when we believe in Jesus, that bondage was gone. Now we enter into this new covenant relationship where God the Father is our Lord. But God the Father is also something else. Abba, Father. Are we together on this? Abba, Father. God, our Father. What do we see? John 1.12 But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Galatians 4.6 And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Philippians 2.15 That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Hebrews 12, 7. God deals with you as with sons. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. Oh. So who are we? We are, yes, 
the servants of the living God. But not in the slave sense at all. We do not see this wording at all in the New Testament. But we do see multiple times about us being the adopted sons of God. Now on this side of eternity, we are in a relationship with the Father and the Son. The Father is Lord and Jesus as the Son is Lord also. And in these frail bodies, Jesus is our Lord and we serve Him doing what He asks us to do. But let me ask this question. As long as you live at home, children are what? Yes, they serve their parents. And don't act like you didn't when you were a kid. And definitely don't act like you don't do it now that you have kids or grandkids or whatever. Okay, I'll throw up the grandkids. You just spoiled them rotten. But your regular kids, it was a relationship where they are taught to serve. They are taught to be nice and gentle. You see, when we're looking at the Christian relationship between servant and Lord, we are looking at the family type relationship. On this side of death, in these frail bodies, we are what? The adopted sons of God, but we are in training by God the Father for what we are going to be. Now on the other side of the grave, in the new glorified bodies. Yes, Jesus is still Lord. Yes, God is still Lord. But then we will be known as we are and we will be in a more mature service unto the Lord because we will be glorified at that point. But in this point right now, when we call God Abba Father, God our Father, it is in the sense that our Father loves us so much that He takes care of us and we love God so much that we do what He asks us to do. The servant relationship between us and God at this point is not a slave relationship. It is a family relationship. Am I making myself clear here tonight? Our relationship with the Father and the Son is in a family covenant relationship. What unites a family here on earth? Blood. It is a blood covenant, even between husband and wife. It is a blood covenant. What unites us as believers into this covenant relationship into the family of God? The blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that brings us into this covenant relationship with God where we are servants, highly honored children of God, highly honored. To be a servant is not a bad thing. 
To be a servant is a place of honor. Are we still here? Because we are children of God. Tonight, I want us to embrace the servanthood of the believer. Not a slave relationship. Not a bond relationship. But a relationship based on the love that a father has for his children. How he is the Lord of the family. And how we are his servants in this regard. In the church, we talk about worship and service. It's because... We are in this tight servant Lord relationship with God our Father and Jesus our Son. This is why that term can be used 500 plus times in the New Testament. Because as servants, we serve our God because of the love we have Toward our Heavenly Father. And because He loves us, we are in a strong service relationship with Him. Let's stand across the church tonight. Hallelujah.